0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. You made it 1045. How was sleeping in? All right. Yeah, pretty sweet. Yeah, you've already had your run. You've already done work. You've watched some cartoons. (laughs) And here you are at church, ready to go. And a welcome 1045 online or online community made the big switch from 9 to 1045 too. So really glad you guys made it. Well, you guys are here. This is our fall kickoff and we have a bazillion things happening um, in and through our church. Like donuts. (laughs) <laughs> like donuts, Sorry. did you see that line coming in? People are like, we're not giving, we're, we're staying in line for an hour for free donuts. But don't worry, you're gonna have your chance at the, uh, at the end of the service. But we, um, we really wanted to just posture ourselves and go, listen, we have so much stuff going on, but instead of going, do this, do this, do this, do this, we wanna just simply take a pause this morning And remember two really important truths. One, that we believe in this generous God who is so overwhelmingly generous towards us. And that we as God's people want to simply mirror God's generosity to the world around us.
1: Yeah, and the second point, yeah, that's the second point that that we would be a generous church. This idea of generosity is in everything that we talk about. It's in every song that we sing. It was just through, you know, having thought about this all week long. I'm just seeing all the lyrics of all the songs we just sang. It's in every sermon that we do. It's in every ministry that we're about. It's in all of our announcements. It's this sense. We understand that this is a generous gospel. This is good news. I mean, the gospel is everything that we need for life. What Jesus did for us was bring life at its fullest, to bring forgiveness and to bring abundance and to bring blessing and to bring grace even in the hardest times. I mean, it's in there. And as human beings, we know what that feels like. We recognize generosity when we kind of get a sniff of it. We know what that, what that looks like. We've all had the experiences of, of, of the generosity of God being poured out, like His Holy Spirit coming and meeting us uh, in a time sometimes when we're crying out for it, sometimes even when we least expect it. Yeah.
0: And what's so fun about being a part of a church community is that we get to remind ourselves of our story. And as we were getting ready uh, for the Sunday, you know, Jeff and I were telling stories. I mean, you may not realize this, but we've been here together for over 16 years doing ministry together and sharing in ministry together. And uh, both of us actually came here from some really challenging church situations and some, some wounding as well. And, uh, and we were telling this story. We remember gosh, early on when Art came here and kind of assembled this whole team of us, we had our very first staff for and we went out to Inverness at this uh, retreat house. Have you ever been on in the Inverness, right? It's this oppressive uh, fog and we're in this old living room. And in your mind, right, at first probably it was going really cozy, but it did not feel cozy that morning. And we, I couldn't tell if it was the fog or we couldn't get the fire to go. But all of a sudden, because we're a church staff, we're like, gosh, it's like, this is spiritual oppression. We were Come like, yeah. what is going on? Yeah. Yeah. We're like, we're, I'm not feeling right. Are you feeling? I'm not
1: feeling right. We're like, we had to pray. And, you know, where this story's going is that, man, we leaned into the Lord, and the Holy Spirit came, and it was a bonding time for our thing. Of course, what we figured out, though, when we were later was we'd been drinking decaf all morning on accident. <laughs>
0: It was a soul crusher. You're we like, what is going on? But it is fun because we're a church. We're like, we're going to pray even harder. Come and, uh, on! But then once we figured out the, the caffeine issue and the headaches went away, by the time we uh, by the time we gathered back that evening, it's interesting. God like legitimately met us, and we were remembering that yeah. there was this ministry time where the Holy Spirit in a supernatural way just showed up and began to give us this picture of healing and wholeness and redeeming our stories. And what's so fun is now you look back like 14 or 15 years later. And like, oh my goodness, how faithful is God that what that word that he gave then has been proven out over and over and over again during our time together.
1: Yeah, it's embedded in the story of our church. In fact, that was the beginning of this mission statement, us developing that mission statement that you see on the wall, the Holy Spirit being poured out on the uh, decaf day. That's yeah, right. he just showed up for us. And so we've seen it, we've recognized it. You've had those experiences where the Holy Spirit comes and meets you. We've, you've also had those experiences where the, where the generosity is being poured out through another person, right? Generous God, generous church, like that. The people of God. Someone has come and loved on you. In fact, is that Lane? Lane showed up at our at our church office with a plate of goodies. Yeah, crushing my diet. Yeah, every crushing Tuesday. all of our diets. When we see Lane walking up, we all run from our offices to see what's going to be showing up there. But it was. It's not usually. It's not just her goodies, but it's often the note that she writes about what God's doing through us as a church and that encouragement, but that kind of generosity, like nobody's like, you know, hey, Lane, we'll see you on Wednesday, bring the goodies. Right. but.
0: But we know what that feels like when people show up for us. That's right. Because, I mean, it is rare. Like, if you think of your whole life, even for me, like, as a pastor, it's pretty rare to have these moments where the Holy Spirit shows up like that. But the Holy Spirit, through the body of Christ, does that over and over and over again. Sometimes in big ways and sometimes in small ways, right? That, that's it can right. Be like, it can be in goodies and notes. That's yeah. right. And, and what I think is so fun um, about doing shared ministry together, and, you know, I'm significantly younger than Jeff, and not so that, I get... Not not that. Well, I mean, a lot. Not, but I mean, not, but not, I get to watch and go, oh, this is what it looks like to grow old graciously. And, and um, <laughs> it, it's super fun but we again we were talking about this idea of god's people showing up and um you may not have realized this but a couple weeks ago it was linda's birthday and it was a full staff L- my day. Wife Linda, yeah, yeah sorry Jeff, and it was a full staff day meetings all day worship night that night you know there's work to do on that Tuesday and so Jeff's like on Monday I'll, I'll do something nice for Linda but then ended up leaving early for something and I'm taking notes I'm like oh so in 10 more years I'm not going to have to like worry about my wife's birthday I'm taking notes <laughs> yeah that's the lesson <laughs> and uh, but thankfully you know, you know Jeff is a good man and loves his wife and about 8.30 that night he's like you know what I actually I need to do something sp- special for my wife and uh, you know she's having a hard day and, and steps up he's like I gotta go and I love the story because you just called some buddies that you're doing life with and, and God showed up in a really simple but powerful way.
1: Yeah, I, it was a, and I didn't want to ask, right? I didn't want to ask somebody to be generous. I didn't want to, and, and Linda and I were feeling, you know, some, maybe it was decaf, but we've been, we were going through some stuff, and I just thought, you know, it's her birthday, we've been, and she was leading worship, and the Lord was meeting her in that worship, and I said, I think it's time, time to call in the, in the troops, and so I texted two other couples that we do life with and just said, hey, can you come and pray for us? can you come pray over Linda? Can you come be a blessing to her? And um, and I was really hard to send that text because it was when I sent it, it was like 835 or 840 p.m. I don't know about you at 840 p.m., but I'm not at my best. And I didn't know what the response would be. And I immediately got four texts back that just said what time and where. And they showed up at our house at 9 p.m. that night. It was a Tuesday night. And prayed over us, I mean, on our knees, snotty, crying, asking the Lord to come through and meet us, prayed over us and stayed three hours ministering with us. That, friends, is the, that's the people of God
0: being generous. Yeah. And, yeah, and what I love about our church, I mean, the DNA of our church is not just a staff, I mean, you as the congregation make up the DNA of this church, and we just long to be a church that is generous, but our generosity is rooted and God's generosity towards us first. And so as we get ready to launch all that God has for us this fall, we wanted to pause and make sure we're deeply rooted in the scripture and God's truth about his generosity towards us, that we can then be postured to be the generous people that God longs for the world. And in that, we wanted a, just a simple expression of these little tumblers and donuts and as just a, a tactile expression that, of what we're talking about, about God's love and generosity towards us and through us.
1: The generous church does mirror the generosity of God. We want to remind you of two things that we're going to be preaching about all year long. I mean, I think we've been about this for as long as I've been a part of this church. And the first thing is that this is something that's embedded in Scripture. Scripture reveals God's heart, that generous heart. And Scripture compels us then to mirror that. Like, that's a message. That's what God's people are. We go, oh, man, look what God's word teaches us about who God is and what his heart is all about. It is a generous God, and then we're going to be compelled in those scriptures to live that out as well. You see the two comp- parts of this idea? But scripture is all about it. It's everywhere. One of my favorite verses I've memorized early on in my Christian journey, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, And the way i memorize memorized it, it says, how great is the love, but it says in, in our more modern translation, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. All right, just say the word lavished out loud. Just say it. Is that, it's not a great word. Doesn't it just fill your soul to even say the word? Oh my gosh, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are, the scripture says. That word lavish, that picture is painted about how God comes above and beyond with all of the love and all the grace and all the healing and all the presence and all the rescue, it's lavish. I mean, we know that verse from John ten ten that says that Jesus came to bring life. He said, I came that you might have life and have it, what? Do you know the, the next word? Abundantly. That's that same idea, that you have it lavishly, that it would be poured out like crazy. This is what the scriptures reveal, that God is a God who loves us lavishly, and that everything we need is there. I mean, we are rooted in this message, you guys. We are to be pitied beyond all people If this is not true, but it is true, and he's been faithful at every turn. That's what the scriptures." teach. I love the fact that Jesus's first miracle was the wedding at Cana. And that first miracle, what did he do? Do you know this? He turned water into wine. It's in John chapter two. You gotta go read the story again. This is the miracle that, it, that the scriptures say that John wrote. He said, and this is how Jesus showed his glory. That's one of the, the verses that's in this story. Check out that on the screen from John 2, 11. It says, what Jesus did in Cana in Galilee was the first of his signs through which he revealed himself. And what did he reveal? He revealed his glory and his disciples' We're like, oh, okay. He believed in him. Well, how did Jesus reveal his glory? Well, you say, well, it was a miracle. Yeah, for sure. It was a miracle. That's how he revealed his glory. Like, oh, this is God in the flesh. You look at him doing miracles. But what was the nature of his miracle? When you stop and look at this story, it's a story of Jesus in everyday life coming to meet people in their everyday needs. He was at a wedding in Cana. Cana is a little fishing village on the Sea of Galilee. Small town, probably a small wedding. And he was with people that he knew, and and his mother was there. Do you remember that? By the way, have you seen The Chosen? It's a web series in the life of Jesus. I really, really, really recommend it. Go figure out how to stream it, or get the app, or watch it on your computer, or I think you can get them on Amazon Prime right now for $1.99 an episode, or whatever. I will reimburse you. It is so good. It is so good, but it's worth the price just for the one episode where they show the wedding in in Cana. Then they show Jesus' first miracle. Because they paint the picture, the context, that Jesus was embedded in life with these people, and we don't know exactly the circumstances of why this family ran out of wine on their most special day of their daughter's life. They were so stoked to be together. And just like today, they, you know, we have those moments where we kind of rise above how hard life is and how broken the world is and how desperate we really are making our way through this planet. And we have this celebration, this moment that just rehearses the goodness that we know is still here. Like this was their day and they ran out of wine. And in that time, there was going to probably be some sort of judgment by all the other people in their world who were like, really, you don't have enough money. And Jesus tenderly engages in this story. First, Jesus' mother does. And he goes, hey, son, they're out of wine. And Jesus tells them in this story. This is the story that says the scriptures say reveals his glory. Jesus tells his mom, like, look at no, 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 no. I, I'm, not, I'm not gonna, what are you doing? Don't involve me in this. My time's not yet come. And his mom's like, oh yeah, it has. And she gets the servants to come over. Did Jesus actually change his plan out of his generosity for these people? He was like, it's not my time, I'm not gonna do this. And then he does, and what he says happens. He gets the servants, they bring water jugs in. It said, the scripture says there's six water jugs that hold between 20 and 30 gallons, and he tells them to go fill them up with water, and listen to this detail, to the brim. Is that not a lavish word? I'm telling you, everything God does is to the brim, church. And then they go, now take some of that wine, take it to the host, and of course the host is like, that's amazing, that's the best wine ever, where have you been keeping this? And the whole place, the whole party, the whole celebration is rescued. The whole moment is not just because that Jesus provided fine wine, like a free gift, like he comped them something. The moment is he goes, I see you. And I know what you're going through. And I will not only meet your needs, but I will overwhelm it with 180 gallons of the finest wine. That's 905 bottles for you and me, if you're doing the math. (laughs) And it was a small town wedding. And the scriptures then says, and he then reveal that's him revealing his glory. His glory, friends, is coming in lavish love. His heart for us, his grace. It comes overwhelmingly to us. Scriptures teach that they show God's heart and equally they show God's heart then to compel us, to invite us into mirroring that as well. Jesus said, my command is this in John 15. This is my command, Jesus said. Let me summarize it. it's in this, John's, this long, this long passage of Jesus's prayer and conversation with disciples called the Upper Room Discourse. And he comes to the disciples and he sums it up by saying this, my command is this. You love each other as I have loved you. Jesus commands us to go love. Well, that doesn't seem like a surprise to us. And we, we all know that when we feel convicted about the fact that we haven't been all that loving. But here's what's dynamic about this teaching. Jesus says, love one another. You go love, you love the world. 1 John says, we love because he first loved us. What's dynamic about this command is we love like he loves. We mirror his generosity. We don't love because like Jesus' call is, you're terrible people. Would you be a little more loving? Please go out. He goes, no, I want you to love like I love. And he embeds that teaching In the context of John 15, anybody know what John 15 is famous for? The vine and the branches. Where Jesus says, look it, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Oh, so here's the call. The scriptures teach God's generous heart and then says, now mirror that, not because you're now finding another gear to love the world, you mirror it by staying connected to the vine and the abundant, lavish life will flow through you and overflow to the world. Oh, that's a generous God and a generous church.
0: I love how scripture just so clearly teaches us about the character of God and then compels us to, do, to then live that way, to mirror that love. And we individually and as a church, this is our ministry strategy. The kind of church we're going to be, the kind of people we're going to be, we are going to be the kind of people that mirror the generosity of God with our entire lives. But the trick is how in the world do you do that? It's so hard. I feel like in every place we need to be, be more generous, be more generous, be more generous. But I love the way the scripture paints it. It's the the fruit is connected to the branch. The branch is connected to the vine and the gardener is the one who cares for the vine. And um, our our leadership team chair, Wim Van Dam, he actually has a vineyard in his backyard. And one of the parts of my job is I get to meet with the leadership team chair as we work out governance things in the church. But he always pauses and says, hey, come down and look at my vines and see where we're at. And over the last few months, I went and saw these vines that had no fruit to where he has these pinot grapes that are ready to be harvested at any time now. And he is so passionate about these grapes and these care for these grapes. He is the gardener and he puts in so much effort to make sure that the vines are corrected, that they have all the nutrients, that they have all the protection. Once the grapes start getting sugary, all of a sudden birds come in to get them and raccoons come and get them. And so then he puts a net over them and he cares for them. He puts hours and hours and hours of work to care for the vine. And the vine— I mean, I don't know how, it's not really a human, but I imagine the vine has to do all of this work. It has to deep, roots go deep into the soil to grab the nutrients and the water. And it's working hard to make sure there's enough sugar and nutrients so that the grapes actually grow. The grapes, they're just connected. They do nothing. They just sit there and are connected to this giant system of the gardener caring for the vines. The vines getting the nutrients and investing into the fruit. And the fruit just is connected and soaks it up. And really, that is what we're asking for you to do as we lean into this fall, that we would be people that are generous, but not because we're trying hard, but we're generous because we are people who are postured to be filled up. The way that we grow in our walk with God, the way that we mirror the character of God, the way that we're generous, the way that God is generous, is that we put ourselves in positions to be filled up By God. If you've been around our church long enough, you know every sermon has this sort of foundation. All the things that God wants to do, all the ways that we want to be this church that changes the world, it all begins with us having this heartfelt devotional connection to Jesus Christ who then molds us and shapes us and produces the fruit in us. Now, you may see this on our website. There's a discipleship experiment. Sometimes like, oh, that seems really hard. But the discipleship experiment is simply a tool that helps you posture yourself to hear from God. And this uh, September's whole challenge is basically carving out some time every morning to hear from God, to reflect from God, to recognize your needs that you have and ask God to meet you there. This Christian journey is not about trying hard. It's about being more and more connected to God. And you do that personally. And we as a church have structured our programs and our lives and our sermons and this morning expression so that you can be connected to the Holy Spirit. So one, we're postured to be filled up. But then once we're postured to be filled up, then the second thing is that we're then postured to model our generosity in every turn. And that is what it's like to be a Christian. We don't need to walk into situations and try hard. How am I going to be a Christian in this situation? We simply are these fruits, the fruit of the vine. And in every situation, no matter where the, these grapes find themselves, they're always going to be Pinot grapes, wherever they find themselves. You are going to be the fragrance of Christ in every place you find yourself. I love uh, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul actually spells out what it, does this fruit actually look like? It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And You notice the fruit of the Spirit only works when we actually live life with other people. You can't bear the fruit of the Spirit and be isolated all by yourself. The fruit has to be with other people. And when you're connected to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit grows those things in you. You're not trying to be more loving, you become more loving. And now you're postured to be more loving everywhere you are. So one, just by being connected to the Christ, you're going to bear this fruit. And then from there there's kind of two ways that we're looking to be generous, individually and as a church. And one is to mirror the generous heart of God. If you think of your own story, there were times and seasons when you first fell in love with God and you were running after him and life was really great and then you crashed and burned and then you loved God and then you crashed and burned and then you felt like God was super far away from you for a really long season. You made awful choices and good choices. You just look back in your whole life and you can reflect and like, gosh, isn't God so generous? Isn't he so patient and long suffering? And you know your whole story, so you know all of the reasons, all the complications, all the external forces, all the spiritual challenges that went for both the successes and failures in your own spiritual life. And in those crazy ups and downs, God's posture towards you has been long-suffering. He loves you. He's wooing you. He's waiting at the end of His property, waiting for you to come back. And if you're super hard-hearted like me or some of you, then He leaves the 99 and He runs after you and grabs you and drags you back. That is God's generous heart towards you. And we as a church long to model that generosity. People have been and will continue to come to our church from every background, from every walk of life, from every season of life, from every spiritual moment in life. And it's gonna be very different from where you are right now. I look at you, you're beautiful Marin Covenant people. Your lives are perfect. You have everything all in order. Well, at least that's how you present with your mask on for, for the hour that you're here. But you know really who you are. And God is bringing people, praise God, who are spiritually hungry, who are in the beginning and the middle and all over their spiritual journey. And we get to be postured towards them, to extend, to be the physical representation of God's generous and long-suffering heart, waiting at the edge of our property, looking at God to do a new thing in them. So we're generous with our hearts, but we're also generous with our time and our resources that we actually make space to hear and see people. What I love is when you come to church, There's all these people. You can actually see people. What would it be like if you came to church and realized God wants to use you to care for other people, to listen to other people, to pray with other people, that your time is so valuable, your resources are so valuable, and God wants you to be just as generous as he is with you. And so you, that's going to happen personally. But as a church, we get to do that too. We, as a church, get to be so generous. Because like I said, it's already in the DNA of our church. You are already generous people. and We just want to keep being more generous. But because of your generosity, here's a simple illustration. Our students who are just going through it. I mean, every study is saying that teenagers are having the hardest time in, our, in this culture than ever before. And we want to make sure that our students have a ministry and adults who can see them and care for them. And we want them to encounter the Holy Spirit on trips in um, mission trips and winter camps. And so our leadership team decided that we are gonna make it so easy for them, that they have taken away all the financial barriers so that our kids get to go 100% free to every single thing that we do for student ministry. No, that's you guys. I know. That is your generous heart. And it's it's the posture of generosity. It's a way to model. It's a very simple picture. It's a little more uh, complicated than giving out free donuts. But it's the same posture that God has been so generous to us and we want to be so generous to others. We are the body of Christ and we then get to be the physical representation of God's generosity to others. Now, that's our dream and that's our hope, but that only gets lived out if we as God's people actually do a little bit of the work. And by work, I mean to make sure we are postured in the right way. And so what we want to do is we want to spend the rest of our time together actually doing two spiritual practices so that we are postured to be filled up and then we're postured to be used by God to model his generosity.
1: Yeah, we believe the scripture's teach that this is God's heart and the scriptures invite us into modeling that. And so what do we got to do for that? How do we become that church? Well, we want to posture, we want to put ourselves in a posture of being filled up, as Ben was saying. And so we just want to take a few moments and picture that. In fact, do you, do you have your, your tumbler? I want you to take your tumbler. You, did you not get a tumbler and want one? There's two in the front row right here, so Vicky you can hand them to anybody who needs one. Look at they got extras over there. I would love to ever everybody have one. As Ben said, we're gonna invite you to two postures. And this is not just about this morning. This is about how we're going to live together this year, how we're going to do ministry this year, whether we got mass on or mass off, whether we got we're inside or we're outside. But this is the way. This is the posture we're going to have. First, we're going to we're going to adopt a posture, invite you into a posture of being filled up. So I want you to take your cup and I want you to open the top. Andrea, put that graphic up there so they can see the glasses. Thank you. This is such a great symbol when you look inside and it's empty. Right? Well, there's instructions. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but inside it holds the promise, right, of refreshment, uh, of blessing, of abundance, richness, and this is the love of God that he pours out. on How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. We're going to ask you, invite you this year to posture yourself in a way that says, God, would you, would you fill my cup? Would you fill me up with what I need? I'm going to model that by praying for us, with us, right now. Let's pray together. Even with your eyes open, if you wanted And hopefully those of you in the online community at home, maybe you guys have a cup handy. Go to the kitchen and grab one. Maybe you even want to just look at your cup during this prayer and picture God's overflowing provision. Father, we are people who have to be connected to the vine. And mixing metaphors, we have to allow you to fill our cup. And so we posture ourselves again today as a church, as a marker in this sort of fall kickoff season, to say this is who I want to be individually. This is who I want to be part of, a church that does this corporately. But Father God, I need you and your Holy Spirit to come flood me. I know that there are times and and ways in which I hinder you from coming and filling me up. There's there's times I, I pitch my my tumbler in the in the the ditch and run full speed the other direction. But God, I'm reminding myself and I'm proclaiming to you again today, in the presence of many witnesses, that I want what you have for me. I want to be indwelt by your spirit. I want to be possessed by your Holy Spirit, God. I want to be filled, connected to the overwhelming flood of life that only you bring. And God, I need it now. And I know there are many of my friends in the room, Lord God, who, and they really need it right now. They're feeling empty. Some, some because they've walked away and they're very far from you. Oh, God, we're so so grateful for the grace that means as soon as we turn around, you're right there. Some of my friends in this room are doing pretty well, but need to reaffirm the truth. That is you that brings life. Apart from you, I can do a lot of stuff, but I, I can't make fruit happen. Spiritual, eternal substantial fruit. And so here I am, God, with my the lid off of my tumbler asking that you would come and fill me, that I might then be full enough to overflow to everyone in the world.
0: Amen. Amen. Gosh, I love that prayer because I think As good religious people, I think there's this, we feel more religious if we're pouring out, if we're sacrificing, if we're gutting it out. And there's definitely seasons where God invites us and feels like that and calls that. But the in general posture is that we are people who are filled to overflowing. And it's the overflowing of the Holy Spirit that then becomes our ministry. And so we want to posture ourselves to model God's generosity in every turn. And the way to think about it is this, this coffee tumbler ends up becoming like a sacramental tool. It's a picture of what God is doing inside of you for you. And, uh, and so what we'd like to th- for you to consider is think about carrying this everywhere you go this week. Imagine, right, you're gonna leave here and you're gonna drive home and you're gonna have this, this in your car and how you are in your car, the phone call you're gonna make on your way home, right? You are an instrument of God's grace and generosity in that phone call when you're on your commute home or on your commute to work. You're gonna be at work tomorrow morning and, uh, and with people and, the, and if you have this tumbler on your desk, think of this, you are the agent of Christ. You are the model God's love and generosity in your meetings, in your interactions, before your work on your computer. When you go home and, you, and you have to, you're dealing with your kids and you're out practice with your kids and you have this and you're interacting with parents on the sidelines, right? If you're, this is with you everywhere you go. You're staying hydrated, but not just you're hydrating your body. You're remembering that the Holy Spirit has filled you. And he's filled you so that then you can model that generosity in every context in which you find yourself. And then again in the morning, you begin your day filling this up with coffee, just like spending time in God's word fills us and molds us, reminds us of all the truth of scripture and the generosity that God lavishes on us. And then we take that generosity at every turn, in every context, wherever we find ourselves. And that is our prayer for you. That's the way that we want to be postured individually. But then that's the way that we want to be postured corporately. Because you see, as the church, imagine this, we we become the fragrance of Christ. Just like if this was filled with the most incredible coffee, right? The smell of it is like so good, maybe too good for me, but it is so good. And scriptures say that we are the fragrance of Christ. And to those who are being saved, we are the, the smell of life. And we want for you and everywhere you are to be the smell of life. We, when we are gathered, we want to be the smell of life. The testimony that we receive over and over and over again is spiritually hungry people come into this room. And we do a pretty good job as a staff making a decent service, but the testimony over and over again is people interact with you and your testimony, your witness of God's generosity and grace proves the reality of what we talk about on, from the stage on Sunday morning. And so what I want to do is I wanted to offer a prayer that would basically, a prayer of of sanctifying this little coffee tumbler as not just a coffee tumbler, but a symbol of our ministry that God has for us individually and corporately. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father and our gracious God, we are these vessels that need to be filled by you. I pray you'd forgive me, forgive us for trying so hard to gut it out even with our good intentions, we just try to gut it out. And I pray that we would embrace this posture of being filled up to the overflow. And as we just imagine in our mind what the rest of this week looks like, our family dinner tonight, our morning coffee, our commute to work, being at work, being at practice, being at the gym, watching TV, doing that day in and day out, we bring you with us. We bring the Holy Spirit filled to the brim person with us for the world to take notice. And we long, as we posture our lives for generosity, we pray that that would be the smell of good news so that any spiritually hungry person that we come in contact with throughout our week here at church would come and would be drawn to the work that you're doing in us and through us. And so ultimately, they would be drawn to your son, Jesus, where they'd experience your saving grace and the healing and transformational work of the Holy Spirit, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to partner with you for the ever-expanding work of the kingdom of God. And that all honor and glory would be yours both now and forevermore. Amen and amen. Well, like I said, this is, a, this is a, the tumbler, the donuts. It is simply just a physical expression so that when you come home and you're sick from all that gluten and sugar, you're like, why God? You'd be like, oh, that is God filling me up, filling me up because we are filled up for a purpose because God is a generous God and therefore we long to be a generous church. Man,
1: what a joy to be together with this mission in mind. We're going to worship and respond to God in, in, uh, in music worship right now, and just it gives us a few minutes at the end to sort of put a, 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 I don't know, a punctuation point on this idea that, okay, I'm posturing myself and I'm going to be available to spill that out and bring that full tank everywhere I go. In fact, there's a line in this song that says, I'm, I'm not enough unless you come, God. And none of us, with all that we're walking through, are enough to be that person unless he comes. And then the song calls us, won't you meet me here again? So let's stand together and let's respond to the Lord in worship and settle this issue that will be that generous church for our generous God.